Welcome to another episode. I am V and this is the Sussex Set. Yes, I am back with another episode. This is episode 47. And in this episode, I'll be touching on a couple of things that I didn't get to mention in the last one. But first, a big, big announcement was made in the meantime regarding Megan's upcoming event this month. And that is that Megan has been selected as a keynote speaker in the 2020 Girl Up Leadership Summit. Now, I got to be honest, I haven't heard about it until now. Forgive me, okay? <laughs> I hadn't heard about it. But that being said, sounds like it's something that that happens every year. And I'm excited to learn more about the initiative as well as see this virtual leadership summit, especially in the age that we're living in, as well as seeing how it's going to come together because I know it's going to be a smashing success. But then also something that a lot of people need. We need that positivity, that encouragement, that togetherness that I know this event will be about. And of course, the fact that Megan is speaking on behalf of something that we know is so close to her heart, it's something that makes it all the more exciting. Now, Girl Up is a movement, as they say, to advance girls' skills, rights, and opportunities to be leaders. And their motto is, when girls rise, we all rise. And this year in this virtual summit, they will have guests and speakers like Michelle Obama, Yay! And Jamila Jamil, Chloe and Halle, Priyanka Chopra, just to name a few. And as far as I can see, more have been added by the day since this announcement was made that Megan would be a keynote speaker. And of course, we know that Megan has championed equal opportunity for women and girls since Megan was a girl herself. Historically, though, throughout her professional career, Megan has spoken up for women and girls and the opportunities they should have no matter where they are. She has given speeches at the UN, and we all know that very famous speech where she said, if women aren't invited to the table, they need to make their own table. Hear, hear. And she has traveled to Rwanda and India as a global ambassador for World Vision. And what impresses me the most is that Megan has always been an incredible advocate for gender equality, and in particular, She's been very passionate about bringing awareness to girls' lack of access to education around the world, saying, I think there is a misconception that access to clean water is just about clean drinking water, which, of course, it is. But it's so much more than that. Access to clean water in a community keeps young girls in school because they aren't walking hours each day to source water for their families. So true. And that's the kind of big thinking I think the world needs that needs more of in every possible facet and place. Because truthfully, just going back to that motto, when girls rise, we all rise. Like nobody was ever harmed when a girl got educated. No one was ever harmed when a girl got access to education. So the fact that she has continuously used her voice to elevate and amplify other voices, even the voices that haven't even developed yet, but need the opportunity and the environment in which to develop, creating those environments and highlighting the positive impacts that an environment which gives girls the access to education, how that environment enriches a larger community. 
Megan has always been a woman who cares about other women's experiences and is no stranger to making sure women and girls know that their voices are valuable. And I have always loved that about her. She has never deviated from that, even under the greatest of pressure. And she's always been a big picture thinker and a problem solver. So the Girl Up Leadership Summit, they got the right keynote speaker, in my, in my humble opinion. And I am so glad that she is back in a place where she can just be herself and promote the values and ideas that support not only the women of the Commonwealth, but women everywhere who stand to benefit from them. Women and girls are the future, you know, and there's no better woman than a woman who supports and promotes other women. So if you want to register for the Girl Up Summit and take a peek into what's going on over there, I will have the link in the show notes. And I honestly, personally can't wait to hear what she has to say and the encouragement that she's going to give girls everywhere because they will be watching. Of course, more eyes than ever are on her now than ever before. So and we're talking about young people who are looking to people like her, people like Michelle Obama to see what they have to say for guidance. So she's a voice that matters. No one has ever debated that. Well, they tried to, but it didn't work out. But of course, I look forward to hearing that voice more than ever before. I got to thinking some people really do crumble under that kind of scrutiny, but I think this is where Megan really shines. So if you haven't done that, you might want to do that now. Also, Megan and Harry were in another Zoom call with the young people of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. And it was a conversation with young people and their perspectives in their countries and what their experiences have been around race. That was a powerful 22 minutes. I don't know if you guys had the chance to look at the full video. I know a lot of clips were circulating around on the day that that was made public, but there's a full 22 minute video on YouTube. I will link that as well, but it was really quite powerful. It's called Queen's Commonwealth Trust in Conversation, Fairness, Justice, and Equal Rights. And one of the major things that came out of that 22 minutes is Prince Harry's acknowledgement of the wrongs of England's colonial past, as he put it, saying, quote, there's no way we can move forward unless we acknowledge the past. So many people have done an amazing job of acknowledging the past and trying to right those wrongs, but there's still so much more to do, end quote. Now, the Commonwealth is made up of 54 nations, the majority of them being nations of color, and nearly all of them have been ruled by Britain as a part of its empire at some point or another. And now that these demonstrations around the world have pretty much lit a fire around the world in Commonwealth countries and in England itself, people are taking a second look at England's colonial past. Not just because Harry said something about it, although that definitely makes the spotlight brighter. But it's to the point now that they've even built a box around Winston Churchill's statue. Now, I don't know that that's there, but I do remember seeing the box around the statue. The God, right? Quote, unquote, Winston Churchill. This made news, of course, because Harry named the elephant in the room. And as a major member of the royal family, whether he's a senior working royal or not, for a major member to speak about the unspeakable, that's pretty important. And now that I'm looking closely 
There seems to be a whole lot of brushing things under the rug over there, both historically and lately. And the fact that Harry is speaking up about it and that this huge historical fact that we're all aware of, colonialism and its impacts on not just the history of the Commonwealth, but the Commonwealth today, and that what he said caused a lot of criticism, that says a lot about the voices trying to dictate the narrative in general. So if we can't name a thing and say, let's discuss this thing and how it's impacted all of us, and then let's go further in the right direction of those obvious wrongs, then you're basically saying you don't want an honest conversation. You don't want a conversation at all. And we saw that when Harry spoke to Dr. Jane Goodall in conversation for the Forces for Change Vogue issue, and he spoke about implicit biases. There was a fuss about that. It was, who are you to tell us about biases? Remember that time you dressed up for Halloween? And then more recently, when Harry spoke up about pretty much the same thing as he was addressing young people saying, Institutional racism has no place in our society, and yet it is endemic. And saying that unconscious bias must be acknowledged without blame to create a better world for all of you. Then again, it was, who are you to tell us about biases? Remember that time you dressed up for Halloween? And can I just say that I am so grateful to not be judged by the sins of my 20s or teenage years for that matter. Like, imagine if... The most egregious thing you ever did as a young person wound up on the front pages of newspapers across the world. Like, really imagine that. Because this is something that people in Harry's position, whether they're royalty or not, have to live with. That is not normal. But imagine if it happened to you, right? It's a definition of cruelty. And hear me out. That's not to say the whole Halloween costume party idea was okay because it's not but as far as I know though the entire theme of the party was racially insensitive and Harry's brother also wore an insensitive costume in line with that theme yet he did not end up on anyone's front pages so it just goes to show you how regularly Harry is the one who sent out to the whipping post and how accustomed the British media is to tormenting just him So now that he's spoken out in conversation with these young people, taking the responsibility for his position and saying, yeah, I think it needs to be talked about, even if that makes his harshest critics even louder. And they're pretending to be upset, but they're really just falling in line with what their habits are, which is just to pile on. But I say good for Harry, though, because at least he has the audacity to speak out about the fact that there are unacknowledged impacts of British colonialism on the Commonwealth. And people are no longer seeing the mere presence of the royal family as something they should continuously be grateful for. Those days are gone. And the fact that the British royal family refuses to acknowledge that and they refuse to adapt, it really says... The Harry and Meghan are kind of the only ones who are looking at the current state of affairs with an honest eye. And if anybody has the right to speak out about these things, it is Harry. After all, he is a blood prince of the monarchy and he is a major player who has kept the monarchy relevant in part because of his duty to the queen, as he says 
on a regular basis. And now he has firsthand experience of how bias can torment a person. Notice how the papers were trying to create a narrative that Harry's comments didn't, quote, sit well with the family, which no surprise there. But none of that has been substantiated. But even still, even if that's the truth, oh, well, who cares? It's not Harry's problem that they refuse to look in the mirror and assess the part they play in in colonialism. And they are a living symbol of colonialism themselves, especially as it relates to the Commonwealth. And so acting as if all is well in in 2020 is a short-sighted approach, especially given the conversations that people are having these days. And get this, Harry's doing the royal family a favor by speaking out on these types of things. It is essentially opening a door of opportunity for them, an opportunity for them to come face to face with the present. But as always, instead of seizing the opportunity and thanking Harry and Meghan, they are ignoring the elephant in the room and taking 10 steps backwards. Harry and Meghan don't really belong there. And I think Sussex Squad is really the only group of people who knew that from like jump. It's just becoming even more clear. I swear to God, day by day by day, it just becomes crystal clear how out of place Harry and Meghan are and were in that institution. And also notice how no one had any issues with Harry making similar statements when it was just him, you know, before being a husband. You know, when he was playing the third wheel to the future, future flunkies, it was cool you know, forward thinking and modern. But when it was just Harry, it was this very weird setup where Harry was basically a servant to the royal family. He was there to do the work, to bring positive attention to the institution and to be a global ambassador that does the heavy lifting. There to entertain Karen while she was bored, et cetera, et cetera. But no, not there to get a life of his own because we can't have that, can we? And honestly, anytime Harry ever did get a life of his own, when he had relationships, he was stalked by the press relentlessly. And so were his girlfriends because they think they own him. And even now, people strangely think that Harry's going to come back to England without his wife and son, and then all will be well again. Like, what what planet are they from anyway? Because I can't make it make sense. But there, there are those who just want, just want Harry to come back. Just Harry. You know, let's just make things the way they used to be. And this man got a whole family. They think they owed him. But now that he's gotten married and he has a life of his own to commit to, and one in which he is determined to protect, that's where I feel like all the forces turned on him and threw him to the wolves for daring to demand dignity and protection not only for himself, but now for his wife and kid. And with that, Harry knows now firsthand the impacts of racial bias because his mother-in-law is a black woman, his wife is a biracial woman, and his child is biracial. And I'm sure he has a better appreciation for that now than he ever had before because he had no context, not really. But now he knows firsthand. Not that he's experienced it directly, but when you marry someone outside of your race and you see the experiences that they have, you now have a front row seat that you never had before. But it hurts you too because you love that person. So that's what I mean by that. 
And I bet Harry never in a million years would have thought his firstborn child would be called a chimpanzee, for example. And so I think it explains, at least in part, his strong stances on the media and the distance that he's placed between himself and that environment. And people who are angry that they left by saying, well, Megan knew what she was signing up for. I'm sorry, but no one signs up for that. No one signs up for what she went through. And I'd argue that Harry was the one who knew what she was signing up for. And he did let her know, like he warned her, that it would be very different from anything that she was accustomed to. But I don't even think Harry knew the extent to which his new wife and family would be badgered. And along what lines? I don't even think he knew at the time how bad it would be. For example, they wouldn't have expected the Markles to behave the way they did. They wouldn't have expected the Windsors to behave the way that they did. When it was all said and done, who would, right? But the tabloids, yeah, you can expect the tabloids to do what they do because they are thugs. But I don't think either of them would have been prepared for the Markles and the Windsors and the tabloids to be working in tandem in their own ways to make their lives a living hell, especially after all that they were doing for the advancement of the image and the relevance of the royal family. So in that light, I say don't even go back. And when January 2021 rolls around, you know, I say throw a middle finger to the one year review because who needs it? And last week, I mentioned that Megan herself said she felt silenced by the royal family. She called it the institution. She said, and it's been confirmed that there were literally hundreds of thousands of articles written about her in the span of 11 months. So from the spring of 2019 to the spring of 2020, after they left, all of these articles were being written. And that's not even to mention the ones that were written about her after the wedding. And many of these articles were lies and mistruths, of course, designed to turn masses of people who were in their corner to turn people against her by painting her out to be someone that she's not. Someone who is easy to hate, but she is not easy to hate at all. Wouldn't you want to leave under those circumstances too? Like no one in their right mind would stay in that environment knowing they'll be abused. Megan and Harry knowing they're not only an example for their son now, but they're an example for people around the world. They had no choice but to leave. And Harry was very clear about wanting to leave early on before he even met Megan. But in that type of toxicity, leaving turned out to be necessary for survival. And also staying in that type of environment sends a signal to those who look up to them that it's okay and it's not okay. And they said so themselves. There's more work for them to do. And they both know that. And you can't remain in a place where your work and your voice will be stifled or drowned out by dark forces that seek to diminish you and the good you you intend to put into the world. And the nerve of people to tell them that they ought to be grateful, that they should just, you know, grin and bear it. Uh Uh-uh. No, ma'am. Y'all ought to be grateful that they gave y'all's greasy, gray ghetto a chance to be relevant again. And it didn't work out. That's okay. Your loss is our gain. But the page is turning. The gate has closed and the plane has left the tarmac. And the eagle has landed in America. You know, you know what I found funny? Um, I saw a clip of Arthur Edwards speaking to Dan Wooten on the radio show that he, he does. I guess it's talk radio. Yeah. 
Anyway, talking about how he was so disappointed that Harry and Meghan, you know, they left and there was some engagement where, oh, this was after the, uh, (laughs) that's what it was. It was after the Commonwealth, the last engagement on the farewell tour where Meghan was wearing the green and the cape and Kate and Will didn't really speak to them. And he talked about how, you know, she came out of the church. They took some pictures. She got the flowers from the kids and they left. And Megan was on a plane that, <laughs> that night. We love a woman who knows her worth. And he was so sad and disgusted and disappointed that she left that night. Why would she stay? Why would she stay, girl? So that page really has turned, okay? Megan was already back in America when she walked out of that church, honey. She said, all right, deuces. We'll see y'all. We'll see y'all around, okay? I love that. And, you know, Arthur Edwards was on there sounding like a scorn lover as if him and Harry had any real relationship, girl. You had a job to do. You're a photographer, But now, when Harry didn't do what you thought he ought to do, you turn into some messy gossiping hag, really, for lack of a better word. And now you're sad about it. Now you're sad about everything. Oh, well, y'all kind of had y'all chance. And so it's like for people who had once been respected, not necessarily by me, because to be honest, the vast majority of these people, I didn't know who they were, didn't know they existed, didn't know they breathed the breath of life on planet earth until Megan came into the picture and they're all sad and complaining because you realize what you lost. But see, when you had the opportunity, when you had the chance to welcome Harry's new wife into the country, when you had the opportunity to support this young man that y'all claim to have known since the day he was born, you didn't do that. So really you can just be quiet. Right. But yes, I, I, I loved hearing him lament about the fact that Megan hopped right on a plane. She didn't even let the sun set on her in England, proverbially, you know, maybe she went that night. But she showed sure and wake up in England the next day. And I love that about the queen. You feel so. Another thing I wanted to mention was the fact that Harry and Humpty have agreed to divide their future proceeds or all of the proceeds, actually, for their mother's memorial fund between the two of them. And this is a part of the further separation of their charitable endeavors. And Harry has decided that his portion of the fund will go to his charity, Centibale. Thank you, King, because we love that. Now, the memorial fund for Diana, it was started in 1997 after her untimely passing, and the fund closed, actually, back in 2012, but it would still receive money from donors through the Royal Foundation. And as an example, last year, the fund received $27,000. To that, I say good for Harry. King is closing doors and entering a brand new life, and frankly... I see it as sewing up some loose ends. I think Diana would be proud. Harry is almost as old as his mother was when she passed. He's in that decade. She would be proud of the life he's living and the choices that he's making, including this one. She called her own son, Harry, the good king. And we all know what she meant by that. But as far as the foundations go, when Megan came into the fold, 
the two of them tried to be under the royal foundation and work as a team and it didn't work out in hindsight there was no way that it could have worked out given the jealousy aimed at the Sussexes for overshadowing those that had done nothing for the last decade but they tried they tried to start their own royal foundation Sussex Royal and well that didn't work out either and the doors have officially closed on that due to Harry and Meghan no longer being allowed to use the word royal in their independent branding going forward like imagine the pettiness of that the two greatest ambassadors you have can't use the word royal, even though they're still royal. A word which no one owns because you don't want them to take off with it. Because if Harry and Meghan are doing the true work, the work of other royals and the work that those other royals claim to be doing, and then the idea of modern royalty becomes associated with Harry and Meghan, then people would ask, well, what's the purpose of the fools in tiaras and sashes and castles? So the royal family wants to be left to fail in peace. And so essentially, Harry and Meghan said, we can't use the word royal. Well, then you can't use us. So door closed on Sussex Royal. And it served its purpose where it was needed. And we're grateful for that. But she's obsolete now. And so may Sussex Royal as a brand, may she rest in peace. And anyway, the Sussexes have begun work on their new organization, Archwell, which is named for their beloved son, Archie. Archie is the king of England, like the true king. Anyway, Archwell, by the way, is set to launch in its full glory in 2021. Obviously, they slated it to launch this year, but for obvious reasons, could not do so not impossible to do so in 2020. No one wants to be associated with 2020. And I'm just going to pretend 2020 wasn't even a year when I'm old. So, but when Archwell launches, you know, who's going to be right there promoting and supporting it? Sussex Squad. Because with anything, we expect them to win because all they do is win. So, just to continue on with some news that I did mention last week, which was Megan's lawsuit against the Associated Papers. Megan's team also this week, they hit hard at the Associated Papers for the Mail on Sunday's intention to publish the names of the five women who spoke out against the British tabloid's treatment of Megan. So those documents stated, quote, each of these women is a private citizen, young mother, and each has a basic right to privacy. Both the mail on Sunday and the court system have their names on a confidential schedule. But for the mail on Sunday to expose them in the public domain for no reason other than clickbait and commercial gain is vicious and poses a threat to their emotional and mental well-being. The mail on Sunday is playing a media game with real lives, end quote. And that's a perfect way to put it because that's all they've ever done. The Associated Papers and all the other tabloids, that's literally all they've ever done even to the point where a young woman took her own life in part as a result of the same types of bullying and then you know what they did was they used that event that news as further opportunity for clickbait these are people with no souls this is why i call them hooligans and thugs that's what they are 
But as far as Megan's case goes, the background on that is that Megan's lawyers filed a court order to prevent the mail from printing the names of these five witnesses. And it's reported that they were wanting to print the names of these people so that they can target them in the papers and on the websites. Again, thugs. So in essence, Megan is attempting to do what she does best, which is standing up for these women, protecting them. These are her friends. So a source, and I'm taking this from Omid Suisse, a source of his, I'm assuming, said, quote, failure to do so would enable the Mail on Sunday to publish an exclusive story about their personal lives and thereby declaring open season for other tabloids and media outlets to follow suit. That's 100% correct. And how else do you think over 200,000 articles were written about Megan in just one year? One year, not even one year. So one outlet writes an article, even though it's a lie or mistruth, and literally all of the others write the same thing, perpetuating false narratives. We saw so many narratives, false narratives that were carried over into American media that all originated back in the British tabloid media. Lies. But around the world, they went. So kudos to Megan for standing up for her friends. I'm sure she would do nothing less in the way they stood up for her. And I just love the fight that she continues to have in this lawsuit. Stand strong, queen, because even though they might try to continue to delay and detract and distract, if no one holds them to account, they'll continue to exist in this world where they know they'll never have to be held accountable. And that can't be. So if anything, Megan is doing God's work right now. And can I just say that since leaving the role as senior royals, Harry and Meghan have done so much on top of just defending themselves. And I think that with the quarantine and the protests, we've not fully appreciated just how hard they've been going since leaving England. We have the launch of Archwell coming up next year again because they were always hard at work on that. We've seen many instances of Meghan and Harry connecting with organizations virtually, whether it be Wellchild, the Queen Commonwealth Trust, SmartWorks, or the Diana Award. We saw Meghan flexing with her voiceover in Elephant on Disney+, Plus, which goes to benefit Elephants Without Borders. We've seen Harry continue his work with Walking with the Wounded. We have seen news of Endeavor Fund and that being merged with We Are Invictus. Megan's statement on BLM, as well as news of her reaching out to the young lady in Wisconsin. Travelist is now under Archwell, and it's an organization that is going to help tourism responsibly recover from pandemic. We have the Girl Love Leadership Conference coming up very soon. And in the midst of all of this, Harry and Megan are still standing up for themselves in both of their lawsuits. I can't express how much I love them. And these are just the things that we know about and still in the midst of a pandemic, but keeping their voices lifted in light and on the right side of history, steadily building a foundation that they are proud to stand on. I love it. I love it. Doesn't really get any better than that for me. And I keep saying it, but just wait until the quarantine is over. They haven't even been able to hit their strides yet and fully flex the way that we know they ultimately will. I can't wait for the day. Meanwhile, 
y'all poor folks in England, y'all have to be subjected to articles about how Will and Kate have emerged as champions of the pandemic as if it's a competition in the first place. But if you can only work hard at home in front of a computer and the taxpayers are okay with that, then who am I to judge? But I know what my expectations are. And from what I can tell, y'all are being hoodwinked. But that ain't none of my business, though. And with that, that is pretty much all I have for today. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. A special thank you goes out to Ikedo and Mrs. VSNC09, as well as Merlin Taylor for always moderating these chats. I really appreciate you guys and couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much for helping me on that, as well as supporting the channel and the podcast. And as always, make sure to check out the links in the description and the show notes for all of the things I discussed in the episode today. Thank you to all of my Fly Patreons on Patreon for helping to keep the podcast and channel going. I appreciate all of you. And if you want to support the podcast, you can find us over at Patreon at Sussex Set, where you will have access to early episodes as well as other bonus material. Find me on Twitter at Sussex Squad. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at Sussex Set. I love each and every one of you guys. And As always, keep shining your light, no matter who's trying to dim that light, and let's just keep loving and supporting one another. And so until next time, peace.